0: a lake. She is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so wide away. Captured in the moment by the beauty all around her. There's nowhere else that she would rather be. Hello, hello, hello. This is Karen and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. I want to thank you guys so much for answering that survey that I had a while out, just questions about her, how she really does it community. And for those of you that are saying, asking what, what's Corinne talking about? I sent out some emails to our newsletter and I want to get to know you guys. I want, you guys know so much about me and I know many of you feel like I'm your friend and your ears and I want to get to know you. I want to know about you. So Valerie asked a question of me that I decided I'd answer here because it could benefit all of you. And she wanted to know what are some of my mindset practices. And I'm only going to talk about one of them today because there's many things that I do. And as you know, mindset's really, really important. It can change the way you experience your life. It can change the way you see things and, and with what you do with your mind. And so the first thing that I do that is so, so important is that I'm really deliberate about my mental hygiene. And what I mean by that is I'm really deliberate of what goes into my brain. And remember when we first had cell phones, I think it was like the Blackberry. And I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm getting an email. I must respond back because this is important and this is, I need to do it. And I got stuck in that habit, which I think many of us did. It was this idea of somebody contacts you, you must respond back right now. And my Blackberry used to sit by my bed and I would be responding to it late at night, early in the morning. And it was back to my approval whoring days of like, see, this is how much value I, how valuable I am to you because I respond right away. Now here's the funny thing. Think about that. Google (laughs) that we all probably use. I don't consider Google valuable. It's, It's a great resource. I go and type my question. I get links that you know, may answer my questions or lead me in the direction I want to be. I'm not though. I'm a human being. I'm not a computer that's available 24 seven. And so one of the things that I've had to do is teach people that just because you email me, it does not mean that you're going to get a response back. And I had to remind myself of that. And then the next step that occurred that became so, so important is what do I do when I first wake up in the morning? Now I'm going to be totally honest because I know this isn't great sleep hygiene, and I do sleep with my cell phone by my bed and I have this whole reason why, which is really ridiculous, but it's there and it's my alarm clock right now. If, I, if somebody knows of an alarm clock that is like the Apple iPhone alarm clock, let me know, email me at hellohowshereallydoesit.com because I want to know. I've been looking for something that's so simple, they're magnificent in setting up the, the alarm clock and I love that part of it. But I do sleep with my phone by my head. The thing I don't do anymore is I don't check it when I first wake up. And it takes a little bit of discipline because (laughs) I am looking at my phone to see what time it is and not, you know, not looking at all those notifications that have come through. But it becomes such an important practice. And I'm not perfect at it. There are times that I slip up. The reason that I started this is many years ago, I was running a group and we're doing challenges. And so I did it with, with them. And my whole thing was, what do I want to fill my brain up with first thing in the morning? And instead of everybody else's problems that I needed to respond to or what was going on in social media. And the other thing I noticed was on the weekends when I didn't have to be someplace right away, I could get lost in social media and be on my phone. And all of a sudden, an hour has gone by or worse yet, two hours have gone by. And then I'd just be agitated the rest of the day because the story in my head was like, I wasted so much time. That's ridiculous. And I wouldn't feel good about myself, you know, being on social media, watching everybody live these great lives. And then here I am still in bed looking through the lives of other people. So I developed this practice where I don't lift up my phone. I may look at the time, but I don't engage in emails, social media, Instead, I'm really deliberate about what is it that I'm going to put into my brain first thing. I know some people meditate. I'm not a great meditator unless I go to like a Yin yoga class. Um, that's where, or when I used to do Bikram, that I did the moving meditations. But what am I, what am I going to put into my brain first thing in the morning? And that's like really the question I ask myself is when I go to that phone and I can be tempted, right? Like the rest of us can of looking at it. Instead, I say to myself, what do I wanna put into my brain? And and when I do that, I think about like, what book am I gonna read? Uh, there's lots of magazines, there's highbrow magazines, there's lowbrow magazines in my house. And so what is it that I'm going to put in to my brain the first thing in the morning? And I'm very, very deliberate about that because that is me priming my brain. So that is one of my most important mindset practices that I do and how I incorporate it into my life. And sometimes it's reading, you know, right now I'm reading a book that has, I love it, i like these really short two minute chapters it's fantastic and it really gets my brain thinking about something and then I move on and sometimes I'll really spend 30 to 40 minutes reading in the morning of whatever it is especially if it's something I want to learn and there's some information in there I give myself that time because my brain is fresh and and it's really just right for all this information so I think about that so I'm really deliberate with my mental hygiene and I invite you to go test it out go try that out in your own life is notice are you responding to the world or are you being with you? I mean, one of the benefits of meditation is that you are you are with yourself the first thing in the morning. And maybe at some point that's something I'll do. And I, um, in theory, would love to do that 20 minute meditation in the morning and 20 minutes at night. It's not happening and it's not even something that's on my priority list for me for right now. But this is really important to me. And then there's some other stuff that I also do in the morning too, that I'll talk about it in another show. But thinking about your mental hygiene and how do you prime your brain? What do you put into your brain? What do you allow to go into your brain when you're first waking up in the morning? Think about that. Today, I want to talk about what being brave looks like in real life. So here's the thing. Years ago, I was, uh, there's this values exercise I give my clients and many, many, many years ago, I was taking it myself and I was really, really mad at the results that came back because the number one value for me was bravery. And I was like, what? Why is bravery my first value? Because in my head, brave was not one of my words. It wasn't part of my language. I wouldn't have identified myself as a brave person. And I thought about brave and that word, I had it associated. I don't know if you guys will remember this, but that Mel Gibson movie was, I think from sometime in the nineties called Braveheart. And I just remember when they would go to war, they go running down a hill and they had their swords and they were going to go into battle. And I don't even like to have the words battle. And when my clients want to say, oh, I'm going to battle X, I'm like, how about we change that? Right? Like those aren't, that's not a language that I like. And so of course, my number one value, according to this assessment that I use, and it's a fantastic tool, is bravery. And I had to think about that. So bravery is not shrinking from the threat. It's challenge, difficulty, or pain, not shrinking from any of that, the threat, challenge, difficulty, or pain. Well, I do that, right? When it's something that's really, really important to me, especially if it's for somebody else's benefit, I'm there. I am all in. It's also about speaking up for what is right, even if there is opposition. Holy moly, I was in a situation not too long ago, a couple of months ago. I was at a—I don't want to get too much into the details—but I was in a meeting and I just asked questions and. I could have been in the potential to gain from them changing some policies, but I would never speak up if it was just for my own betterment. And I remember asking questions and I was being brave, being in a whole room full of people, a lot of people I've known for decades. There were a lot of peers in there and I was just asking questions and I just kept reminding myself, Corinne, this is what being brave looks like this is you being brave. And it's okay right now if people don't like you or that if you're asking the really tough questions that people don't want to talk about, it's okay. But speaking up for what is right, even if there's opposition, that my friend is about being brave. And it's not fun. It's not beautiful. I know, like growing up, and I'd watch all these protesters. um, And I thought, wow, people who are doing, you know, whether it's Uh, Women's rights or race issues. And I thought, that is so cool. Look at these crusaders. I didn't realize they were being brave. And (laughs) this, I don't even know how this sounds, but it takes a lot of courage to be brave, it takes a lot of courage to speak up for what you believe is right even when there's opposition and especially when there's opposition, because sometimes it's a lot easier. Like if I spoke up at that meeting and people were like, oh my gosh, Corinne, you are so right. This is so wrong. But of course that wasn't happening. There are a few people that were opposing me. A lot of people that were kind of like, Corinne, this meeting is going a bit too long because you keep asking these questions. And I kept showing up and asking the questions because I thought it was really, really important. Okay. Another part of uh, the definition of bravery is acting on convictions, even if they're unpopular. And that goes back to what I was just saying, like really checking in with your values and and acting on it. And one of the sayings that we've said since my kids were little in this house is that, you know, we in our house, the Mordokitis fly their freak flag high. We are who we are. We own it. And we fly our freak flag high. I think on, in the past, I've talked about how there have been times in my own town or like on the Aqua Monsters, I've been like the most hated or most beloved person in town. And I remember uh, one summer a few years ago as a leader you have to be brave, because you're not going to be able to please everybody, especially now that I'm no longer willing to be an approval whore. But I remember, uh, you know, people would get really upset. and I, I, In the back of my head, I would just say, well, you're not the only person, there's a long line, go take a ticket and stand on that line. And it would remind me that it was okay. That People may not like the decisions that I'm making, but I'm making them in line for the values of the organization. I'm making them in line for the long term, not just what would be quick and easy and make them happy, but then that would actually create a ripple effect of problems within our organization. So being brave is not a whole lot of fun um, and it's really not sexy and it can be very unpopular. The other part of bravery can be physical bravery, right? But it doesn't have to be. And it could be like, well, I'm not going into battle. I don't like that kind of uh, stuff, but being being brave. And maybe you're running out to the street to save a kid from getting hit from a car. So there's a lot of different types of bravery, but think about for you, what does bravery really look like in your real life? Here's another example. Um, I've talked to Karen Wal- Walrand, I think it was a couple of years ago. She was a guest on my show and was a guest co-host. And we were talking about, I think, celebrations. And she had talked about a dinner party. And I was like, oh, I really want a house to dinner party. But I don't know if I can do that. And she, you know, she was talking to me about how she did it and how it was simple. And she catered it. And I got really, really inspired, which you probably have too, by listening to the show and going, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to do this. And then after you leave, (laughs) you go, wait a second, I'm too busy. Who was I to think that I you know, my story is I'm not a good cook. Why would I cook for other people? Being brave in my real life would be cooking for other people. Um, so, then, last spring, we had a bunch of people over it was a bunch of my husband's old athletes come over uh last year's spring, and it was so much fun and so I said to him, and he's not as apt to be social as i am i'm We're both introverts, but I'm more of an etro- extrovert than him and uh so he's like, "Why would we have to have dinner parties with other people? There's no need, <laughs> and I want to have dinner parties, but I said, "Hey, we know all these fantastic people." and let's connect him with other people that we know. And he was like, Oh, okay, well, yeah, we can do like one a quarter. So he was willing to commit to that. But we never got it scheduled. So all of a sudden, here we turn into 2018. And I thought, oh, I still want to have that dinner party. So you guys, this is two, almost two years in the making. And I decided I was gonna have this amazing woman dinner party. And I was going to do it on my own. He would be gone. My kids would be gone at swim practice and I would do it myself. And I would think, and I thought about who were some people that I knew who I thought were amazing women. And maybe we've done stuff socially or maybe our paths crossed, but we don't really, you know, get together. We've tried to get together. And I emailed five other women and I said, I'd like, I'm hosting this dinner party. I hope it's a yes. And I, you know, I want to have it with you. And I didn't tell them who anybody else was invited. And so they were brave to come, and I was brave to host it. And then I thought I was going to cater it and I was trying to figure that whole aspect out and who could I have and how many people, you know. And finally I just was I just said, I don't have enough time to figure this out. I can cook something. And I had to be brave about that too. So here's there's so many examples of being brave. First it was inviting people. Oh, and let me tell you this. So then I when I got this finally got this idea and it was rolling around the back of my head because often stuff just kind of rolls around back there until I finally take action with it. And one way to get me to really follow through was I called up a friend of mine. And I said, I I have a favor to ask you. I really want to do this, this thing, and I need your help. And she's like, huh? And I said, well, I want to host this dinner party. And I'm freaked out because it's a dinner party and I'm afraid to cook for people. And and then she immediately stepped in with like, well, there's the catering and stuff where you can do a potluck. And I knew really cl- clearly I didn't want it to be a potluck. I have this belief that we're all really busy. I don't want to burden people. I just really wanted to celebrate people and have them come to my house like that simple. And so she was great because she was willing to walk through this with me. I wasn't asking her to cook. I wasn't asking her, but she was there emotionally to support me. And some of us may discount that, but I know as a coach the value of that and how important it is to have somebody walking by your side. And she was just doing it on the phone with me. And then the day of the event, I was talking to her and I said, because I decided after getting everybody's like food stuff, I was gonna make one one dish. And then um my husband said, He goes, Well, you may wanna practice it a couple of times. And um I wound up doing a different dishes because of dietary situations and stuff, but it was kind of my standard go-to. I'd make chicken fajitas. And so I remember talking to her, I was like, okay, well, how do I cook the food ahead of time? And how do I keep it in the oven? You know, how do I keep it warm so that, you know, the timing of all that, those stuff I just didn't really know. And so she just helped me with that and explained it to me and it was some of the simple things but so often we we deal with such high level stuff we forget about that the entry level stuff for those of us who are newbies and I own my newbie title in so many places and I own the fact that I'm a slow learner and so she helped me with that. Like we talked on the phone. And then that was it. And she said, Well, I'm around later today. Give me a call if you need help. And I was like, okay, great. So I had that in my safety net. And I remember as I was cooking and stuff, and it was kind of fun. And I had it all planned out. And, you know, again, this is a dish I've made a bunch of times. I've actually cooked it for people outside of my family. And and it was going to fit everybody's dietary things. I was, I started feeling that as the time got closer and closer, I started feeling those like. I want to call them butterflies in my stomach. That's not how I would describe them. But there was like that in my tummy. And I've had it here on this show. I've had it ongoing as an athlete. I mean, I've had this throughout my life when I go and speak and get up on us before I get up on a stage. You know, this is the feeling that I have. And that is vulnerability. And I was like, oh, yeah, here's this thing that I thought once I retired from the sport of swimming, I would no longer have. Or once I didn't, you know, once I I think the belief was once I became a grown up, I would no longer have it. But I'm a I'm a grown up. I'm I'm middle aged. And I thought, and I reminded myself, no, this is vulnerability. It's uncertainty, emotional exposure, and risk. Here's something that I really, really wanted for a long time and now I've created it. And oh my gosh, and what it, you know, and then it could be, of course, all those negative thoughts that can come through. But I just really focused on, wow, there's uncertainty and here's these people coming through. And, you know, I don't want to food poison anybody because that's always my biggest concern. I'm, my husband always reminds me when have you ever poisoned anybody with your cooking? But that is, that is a fear I have. But that amazing woman dinner. Was not is an example of what being brave looks like. Here was something that I wanted. Here's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And then when I thought when I finally got down to it, it was an event that I wanted to have. And I I went through a lot of scenarios. I was gonna do I do it catered? Do I do I host the dinner out at a restaurant and just pay for it? Which I was fine to do. But the problem with that is that all of us knew too many pe- know too many people in town, and I didn't want our environment to be broached upon. I wanted there to be privacy for us. Not that I was thinking we would talk about anything in depth. I just wanted to create that sacred space for all of us. And here was the beautiful thing is that my being brave, what happened was there's a ripple effect because each one of them was brave. They, They replied yes or no. And then they came and they didn't know what they were coming to, except it was going to be dinner. They knew me and it was going to be at my house and they didn't know who else was going to be there. And I was like, wow, we're all being brave, especially for people who you get to a certain point in your life. You don't have to be brave, right? I think about like all my little aqua monster kids and their parents kind of are sometimes saying, this is going to be great. And the kids look at them like... Yeah, it was great when we were talking about it in our house, but now I'm coming to this pool and it's 65 meters, you know, and there's all these people with these funny characters on their shirts, the aqua monsters, and this pool's really big and it's really deep and maybe I'll drown, right? They, these kids have all these ideas and the parents are like, but of course it's going to be great. But the kids are not thinking it's great. They're being brave. And I know this from coaching adults is that if the parents were the ones in the pool, they'd have to be brave too. But that for them in that moment, they may not have to be. So I know I totally digressed. But these people coming in, these women coming in, to be able to, one, own the fact that somebody was calling them an amazing woman, that is an example of what being brave looks like, where you're willing to say, I don't know what she's talking about. And I don't know why I got invited. And will I be able to measure up with any of the other people that are coming how many of you have that voice inside of your head? And I'm sure that was going on. And then to be excited, like, wow, I'm being, somebody's saying that I'm an amazing woman. I'm going to go and get to meet other amazing women. And so they each came in. Some people knew other people, some people didn't, you know, and we sat down and it was so Awesome, because we sat down and the connections and and one of the strengths that I've just realized—well, I think I've known it, but even especially more so in 2018—is my again that connecting ability to be able to bring a group of people together who are well suited for each other. I mean, that's kind of one of my superpowers that I've had, and and I use it with the monsters with with my life coaching, with groups that I run, and now with this apparently this dinner party like entertainment, which is not in my wheelhouse, and. But the conversations, and it was so fantastic just to watch them and connect and, and how well synced it was. And it could have been a total, you know, like, oh my gosh, nobody could, would have spoken for hours. But one of the great things about doing the show for almost 12 years is when I first started, it was live radio. And it was only at that time, 30 minutes. And then it later on went into an hour. And now I do these podcasts where I tape them, but it was live. And I remember thinking, I can't have dead air who can talk for that long? right? And one of the things is that I've never had um, a situation where we ran out of things to say. And so because I've had that experience, that's not something that I really lean on bravery about. And I knew that that could be a possibility, but I'm really good at cultivating conversation. So I knew that that wasn't actually something for me I had to be brave on, but that may be something for you is like, oh, how am I going to carry this conversation? If things go down, what are the questions that I can ask? How can I be prepared? Right? That was kind of like me with the food. I had to go to like the, the basics of, oh, you can actually put the chicken in the oven at a low temperature and put aluminum foil over it so that, they, that the meat doesn't dry out. Things that I would never have known until I was talking to my girlfriend. So the amazing dinner for me is another form of bravery. Inviting friends to an event. Asking for support is another form of behavior. So those are different things that I did just in this one event. And it can seem like, oh, well, really, what's the big deal? You just had a dinner party. But when we really break it down, right? One of the things that I talk with my swim parents all the time about, because we're talking about swim meets and everybody has all their different stories and we can have a lot of baggage and burdens about what it's like to be a swimmer. I think swimming's the best sport on the planet. And I'm like, well, of course you would do swim meets. I mean, when I was a teenager, one of the reasons I did swim meets is that there were cute boys in Speedos. It was like, why would I go do another sport where you have to run and I hate running and you have to sweat because it's soccer, right? And there's only other, there's only girls there. It just didn't make sense to me. But I was like, there's cute boys in Speedos. But that was me as an older person. As a young kid, I just like to go to swim meets. I like to be around people. I didn't have to really talk to people, but I like to be around people. I like to be in the water. And one of the things that I tell parents a lot of times is that swim meets are a way for their kids to practice being brave We're cultivating courage because they're stepping on the blocks. And they have these stories. Once again, we all have these stories that can keep us small of, oh my gosh, everybody's watching me. I'm not going to measure up right? But they're all just stories because it's really not true. Because if you have a kid that swims on a swim team, you're probably not watching every event. And the kids always will say they're really lucky if their parent and their coach are watching them race, right? Because everybody else is like, when is this meet going to be over? But that's another example of what being brave looks like in real life. Another form of being brave can be you have an illness and you're trying to figure out how to move through this medical situation, right? And then who are the people that you can lean on that will walk through it with you? When, um, somebody really close to me had cancer, uh, we had, I had to be really brave because one was I wanted to reach out. I was committed to reaching out. And two was, I knew she didn't always have the capability to answer back. And so I had to give myself permission that I could reach out to her without Ever needing her to reach back to me and say, oh, thank you so much or whatever, you know, have a conversation because that wasn't what it was about. So me being brave was sometimes just sending her a text and telling her I was thinking of her or, and, and then we had this, I remember we had a conversation once where it was, she never had a responsibility to answer me back. That was not where she needed to use her units of energy. That's not where she needed to use her brain juice and her emotional energy. And we had a brave conversation. We had many brave conversations because there were times that she was struggling so badly and she'd be really depressed because she just, you know, didn't want to, she wanted to connect with people. She didn't know how she was going to feel. So to make plans ahead of times where then she would have to cancel. And we were able to have that brave conversation because, well, one is, I mean, I lean on my, um, value of bravery, but because I do this work that I knew was so important. And this wasn't something that I'd walk through with somebody else before, especially in our relationship in the situation, she was a former swimmer of mine who was an adult going through cancer. And where we were able to have this conversation. And I just said, look, it's okay. Like, Let's set something up. And if you don't feel good, absolutely cancel. And that is okay. And that's her being brave and saying, I want to see you. I want to be with you. And then waking up that morning going, I don't have the capacity. And, and that in that relationship was absolutely okay. So that's another example of being brave and another example of asking for support where she thought she wanted me to be there. We're going to get together and have tea. But then when she woke up, she just couldn't do it. And that is okay. And that goes back to like, I talk about courageous conversations and I was talking to my girlfriend We were going someplace and she said something, I don't even remember really how it played out. And I said, well, that's a courageous conversation. She goes, no, it's not. It's just a regular conversation. I go, no, that's actually courageous. She goes, oh, I guess that's just because what I do in work all day long is I'm giving people feedback. So there can be, you know, you think about, I'm a coach, right? I partner with people and I give them feedback. They know I'm on their team. I'm a swim coach. So I'm giving athletes feedback day to day. I manage a staff of people and I'm giving them feedback. And some feedback is really easy for me to give. And then some feedback, like I'm like, oh, there's always resistance. It's like, oh, why do I have to do this? I don't want to do this. You know, especially if there's an employee issue and we need to change something. And that's my own working on my beliefs, my limiting beliefs about that. And what I need to do is be able to reframe it so I can reframe it as a courageous conversation and being really in a growth mindset, because that is what being brave is about. And that's what bravery looks like. So it can be giving feedback to your kids, to your spouse, to your life partner, to maybe your adult parents, your adult parents, you as an adult to your parents, to your employees. It could be giving feedback to your boss. And and how can you construct that feedback? That is being brave. Another aspect of being brave is asking for what you want. And here's the thing. Sometimes it's not even about asking for what you want from another person. It's asking for what you want from yourself and then giving yourself the space to pursue it. How often do you allow yourself to ask yourself what do i want and then go after it i had a client who hired me and cuz he wanted to improve his leadership skills in his company and in his relationship with others in his life and one of the things that was lacking from his leadership was his own sense of worthiness and self-trust and because of that he wouldn't allow himself to really have what he wanted he thought oh well this is just ridiculous and we had to really work on that. And he'd say, no, that's okay. He, at some point he would tell me what he wanted. And then later he'd say, oh no, that's okay. I don't don't need that. I don't want it. I'll just do fine without it. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And it's that apathy that I've talked about on the show of instead of pursuing it, we decide, oh no, I'm going to hang out over here because it's quote safer. And it's never quote safer there because then what we do is we create a relationship with ourselves where we can't have what we want, where we're not being brave. So the thing is bravery is about pursuing what you want and you can feel afraid and brave at the same time, which would confuse a lot of people because we think, oh, if I'm feeling brave, there's not going to be fear, but there is going to be fear at the exact same time and that's okay. And in fact, I often think that that fear is actually vulnerability because they feel the they feel very similar. There's that uncertainty, emotional exposure, and risk. It's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And it can feel like fear. And I know for me, there there's a very subtle difference between fear and vulnerability. And I remind myself, I'm like, breathe, it's okay, you're feeling vulnerable. That's what I was feeling for the dinner party. That's what I feel like before I get up on a stage to go and speak. That's what I feel like when I have a live event. That's what I feel like before my radio show or my podcast. Right? I can feel that vulnerability. And the great thing is, is that that is about me being present and me really showing up and taking down all the armor that we all put on ourselves. So when we go after what we want, we may not be safe and we're going to fall down, but we can all get back up. And it's not safer to not be brave. Now, again, I am not talking about doing life threatening, life risking things. Like I was a person in college who bungee jumped I don't even like to go off the high dive anymore. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, oh, go be brave and jump out of a parachute. Notice that wasn't one of my examples about what is brave being look like. That absolutely can be. That is on my no-go list. It's not something that I'm interested in doing and that is okay. So I'm not saying you have to do some daredevil stuff to be brave. And some of you may be laughing because you're like, seriously, how is a dinner party? being brave. Well, I went through my experience of it. Let's not discount what being brave is for any one person. And I'm also not saying go do life-threatening stuff to be brave. We don't need to be adrenaline junkies. But knowing that we're going to feel multiple feelings as we step into the arena, we're going to feel maybe excited. We're going to be petrified. We're going to be scared. We're going to feel vulnerable and we may feel brave at the same time so that my friend is what being brave looks like in real life. And I want you to think about and reflect on for yourself, what is being brave look like in your life? Because I gave you examples of myself. I gave you examples of some clients or some friends. What is brave being look like in your life? Thank you so much for listening today. Do you find yourself listening to a small voice inside you that likes nothing better than to repeat defeating stories like I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not thin enough, strong enough, or smart enough. I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter. From time to time, we all fall into this trap. We're human after all. But what if you could silence that voice forever For years, I've helped my clients do just that in a one-on-one setting. Now I'd like to invite you to take a look at something that can help you silence those voices and start living the life you deserve from the comfort of your own home. After years of coaching, I've gathered all of my experience and expertise into a single online group coaching program. I call it Enough your daring year. Aren't you ready to finally feel enough in your life? Maybe it's time to do something about that. Go to howshereallydoesit.com forward slash enough to find out if my premium group coaching program is right for you. That's howshereallydoesit.com forward slash enough sound good? This isn't for everybody. I am deeply committed to selectively filling this premium group coaching program with humans who are committed to doing this work and are ready and willing to commit to themselves, to cultivating the lives they want from a place of enough. If you're ready to stop being not enough and start living as enough in your life, go to howshereallydoesit.com forward slash enough and hit the apply now button and get started on your journey.